Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Together We Grow podcast. It is the second episode brought to you by Calming Tree Counseling. I'm your host, Ambika Puri, and I am an administrative assistant with Calming Tree. What we're doing on Together We Grow is exploring current events, hot topics, and everyday challenges with our team of registered social workers and members of the community while using the platform of podcasts. I myself am not a therapist, but I'm constantly surrounded by brilliant counselors and their outlook on the world and realize that it sometimes differs from how I would typically approach any situation. Through this podcast, you hear me tap into my own curiosities and ask questions that maybe we've all had. On today's episode, we have Jocelyn Guindol, and I think the easiest way to introduce an episode that can go in so many different directions is just by jumping in. Coming out refers to the process that people who are LGBTQ go through as they work towards accepting their sexual orientation or gender identity and sharing that identity openly with other people. This process requires a level of resilience and patience and is extremely personal and diverse for everyone. There is no one right way to come out. It can feel better to be open and honest about your sexual orientation than to hide it, but there are many factors to consider before coming out. Jocelyn and I will be discussing experiences Jocelyn's had with coming out, both personally and professionally, as well as the positive shift in the LGBTQ acceptance generationally. We will also touch on celebrities and the questions of obligations in coming out that may be attached with being a public figure. Hopefully you enjoy this podcast and stay tuned for more. How did you know you identified as a queer person and what did it take for you to come out and own that part of you? Well, uh, I guess it really started for me when I uh, went through a separation. My first thought was like, I can finally date women. And then about a year later, <laughs> I finally put it together that maybe that means something. Um, yeah, I Wait, came so out. Wait, so you thought about yeah. dating women before you registered totally. that that was going through Legit. your head? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I, I was in a, a women's group and the woman said to me, do you think maybe you might be bisexual? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then I don't really care who I date. It's about the person. And then... I still didn't connect it for several weeks That's after that, that definition. it was part of my identity. It took wow. me a long time to really come to terms with just allowing myself the space in my identity to be queer. So there obviously isn't a definitive process no. of coming out, but is there like a trajectory that people follow? Like there are the stages of grief. Are there the stages of coming out? Does that exist? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's actually a couple of theories around this, around identity formation, around queer identities. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go naming them through because I can't remember them off the top of my head, but the realities of it is that we often have to come to terms with it within first before we share outwardly. And one thing that we often see in folks, and I see this in clients, I've saw it in my own life, pride phase when we're actually telling people we're like super out it is the most out you will ever be rainbow everything all the time celebrating like it's and it's really fragile so when someone's like super 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 out that's usually them really practicing how to be safe outwardly mm-hmm. right and even during that time for me I had a professor um, basically get really homophobic towards me and I went straight back into the closet for about a year and it took me a wow. long time to let myself be out again Having said that, is there a shift in the community's attitude, the surrounding community's attitude, if you're out and super out and always celebrating? Yeah. Is there a way that people look at you differently? Do you acknowledge that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the young people, uh, the young people makes it sound like I'm old. Um, (laughs) Me. (laughs) Yeah, right? No, but a lot of younger folks, and I mean like 12, 13, 14-year-olds that are coming out now, like they're adorably annoying. They're like super out all the time. My child definitely fits into that category. Um, So it it can be really frustrating and difficult. So a lot of times people will push back. So I know when I first came out, I came out as bisexual. I now identify as pansexual, which is more of an inclusive term of uh, the root of pan being all. So Mm -hmm. I actually have no preferences over who I date gender-wise. It's more about connection and about, you know, being compatible with that person rather than like, I only date women, I only date men. I only date trans folks or non-binary folks. Like for me, it's just people. When I first came out, everything I said was like, well, as a bisexual, I would say blah, blah, blah. Or as a bisexual, I feel blah, blah, blah. And so I almost started every sentence with it because I was like out everywhere all the time. And it was too much. But it's not uncommon for people to feel like it's all about that. 
So at that point, do you find that there's like a sigh of relief once you come out? Or do you know that for the rest of your life, you are coming out to new people whenever you meet them? Like, that process in itself is exhausting. But that initial coming out, like... It's terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. I feel like I was able to get all of the stories in a way, right? Because, I mean, my father was super, I want to say naive and kind, but I mean, you know, he went straight for the dad joke um, because I came out as bisexual and he said, well, what's that? And I said, well, I'm attracted to men and I'm attracted to women. And he said, oh, well, I'm half bisexual. I like women. And he thought that was the funniest thing on the planet. (laughs) Right. And it was super sweet. It actually made me feel like, oh, okay, maybe this is okay. Um, But my mom really struggled and still struggles to this day. I've been out for, wow, like 12 years have a child you have your own family and it's yeah. still a subject of yeah we just don't talk about it so it's not a subject period well I also have a partner who's male identified so mm-hmm. it makes it less we will touch on that right later in the conversation. exactly yeah, yeah absolutely um being a member of the queer community and also being a member of the social work community you're immersed in counseling of LGBTQ youth and adults. Mm-hmm. So you never stray from being queer. Like, you're very <laughs> in it. So can you think of any examples of what you suggest to avoid in a coming out process? Hmm. For the person coming out? For the person coming out. Ooh. And do you find yourself getting attached specifically to these stories? Because it's very hard. Sure. Having gone through it and then seeing so many young people and adults alike who are just discovering their sexuality. Absolutely. I find it probably harder, uh, more heart-wrenching, more, I have more empathy and more, more emotional responses to folks who are older who are coming out. Because when older folks come out, they tend to have a great deal of grief around lost time, right? And they'll probably have had families. Because historically, like, they were told to just get married and meet a nice woman or a nice man and and just be a good community member and it'll go away. It doesn't go away because it's a part of who we are. I hate the word phase, but right? it comes up a lot. That is, that is, the, well, there's a lot of reason why a lot of folks get really annoyed and aggravated by the word phase, right? Because it, it isn't a choice. The amount of discrimination the amount of difficulty, the amount of vulnerability that goes with coming out is not easy. And so it's not something people do for attention. It's something that is big for that person. So when they do come out, it's a huge part of who they are, right? But I mean, there is no one way. I have seen and heard stories of so many different people coming out in so many different ways. And one thing that I can say for sure is that coming out around orientation versus coming out around gender identity can be a very different experience. A lot of families can handle the discussion about sexual orientation, but can't handle the discussion about gender identity. So there is, I mean, I'm aware and you are aware that there is a distinction there, but for the people listening that don't know, sexual orientation and gender (laughs) identity... Um, do you want to speak a little bit on that and yeah. the distinction between the two? Oh, absolutely. So sexual orientation is who we're attracted to, right? It's, it's who we crave to, to be with, who draws our attention, who gives us that, you know, it'd be jibby feeling and those butterflies the in the stomachs. Feeling. Yeah, exactly. Um, but our gender identity is who we are. It's our sense of who we are. Right. So with those folks, when we do talk about gender identity, often end up um, being folks who are transgender or gender nonconforming. Right. So that the experience of themselves differs from the, the, the sex that they were designated at birth. Right. A doctor tends to look at our genitalia and decide who we're going to be for the rest of our life. That's our current standard. It's changing. Right. So it can be slowly really but surely, yes. slowly. Yeah. And, and hopefully surely. Yes. But it's it's one of those things that can be really complicated for families. Even, you know, uh, when an adult comes out, their children now have to adjust that they have two mothers or that they have two fathers. Right. Or that they have somebody that's transitioning in their life. Exactly. That wants to have a new gender exactly. Identity. Absolutely. So it can become um, a whole shift 
to the values that we have around pink and blue, you know, black and white, um, ideas of gender, right? And it gets even more confusing for folks to try and make sense of someone with a non-conforming gender identity and how their orientation works, right? Because they tend to overlap. So it makes sense that coming out has different varying degrees of, of difficulty, right? And it really depends on families. You've seen distinctions that are far and few between with the severity of people's reactions in families yeah. and the acceptance. I mean, there's so many different ways that it could go. Totally. Yeah, totally. And small rejections can feel like huge rejections, right? As much as most folks don't get thrown out of their homes for being, you know, part of the LGBT plus community, some do. And we hear horror stories of children and, and young folks from America and around the world who lose their lives or are thrown out of their homes, right? So there's always that risk. There's still always that risk. So we did touch on this earlier. You are a queer individual in a hetero relationship yeah. or a heteronormative relationship. Sure. Um, do you find that there's judgment from members of the queer community in the sense that is there that underlying question of am I queer enough? I don't know as much as it used to be. I feel like I talk about things less. My partner used to come to a lot of events with me and now doesn't for any particular reason. So I am a member of the queer community and a lot of people know me. I think am I queer enough actually came from me, not so much from them. So that was a self-reflection of, yeah. am I adequate? Yeah. Am I queer enough to be in the queer communities? Am I, am I into women enough? Do I have to date enough women? Do I have to this or that enough to qualify? Right? For a long, long time, I thought my type was straight women. Right? Because I seemed to hit on them enough. Right? <laughs> so I always just assumed maybe that's just my type. And, you know, it took being around, you know, the rainbow community and the people in the community to realize that, like, We've all had that problem. We've all had, you know, attraction or, or you know, a desire for someone who, who would never be into us simply because of their own orientation. Yeah, unrequited situation. Exactly, yeah. I mean, my partner sort of qualifies as straight, mostly, right? But we look like a very nuclear family, and yet you we're super but. far from it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I have no qualms with not caring anymore but it wouldn't I didn't start there right I know that um, the last few years when I've gone to like tri pride in our area you know my partner will be there my child will be wandering around and my child identifies as non-binary so you know they could be presenting female or male that day or you know a little bit of both which happens a lot when we're you know usually when we're at pride events they're wearing a, a pride flag for a cape right like you don't get much more out than that, right? Yeah. So it's it's pretty accepted. Like, we haven't had anybody directly um, make comments, right? But, I mean, I think, I think, you know, straight areas are probably a little more intimidating because I'm often trying to rip the Band-Aids early, right? So what I mean... What is a straight area? It's because... like straight spaces, or you know what I mean? So like... No, when... because I am, I'm one of those people that like, <laughs> it doesn't make a difference to me what you identify as. Like, yeah. you live your life however you'd like to. Like, it yeah. doesn't... I mean, I used to go to bars. Somebody kind of caught wind of, or if I would try to dance with a girlfriend or something, people would assume that that was for them and not... That, like, that our relationship is, was now for them. There is a really big problem. And this yeah. has to do with, like, toxic masculinity and sure. all of this. But it, there's an over-sexualization of the queer community. As, I would say a lot of, of women. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of women like, who are with women, sure. But I, I don't want to gender it too much because I imagine that it happens across the board. Right? And I often found that, at least in my experiences as, you know, an old dame now, I guess, at 38. But, I mean, when I was in my mid-20s and I came out when I was 26, I came from a family where I wouldn't be accepted. Which I imagine is hard for them to really accept that that's a truth for them, too. They like to pretend it never happened. Right? So I don't, I don't bring it up and I leave it be. But now it's a little different because my child is coming out. So I'll go into those straight spaces 
and rip all the band-aids of like we're using they them pronouns my child is out my child has a girlfriend that they have an opportunity to go oh oh well my child's not in the room right because they came out I'd say about a year plus ago so they were about 12 and a half 13 when they really started to understand that you know they were pansexual as well and they tend to lean a lot towards women right now and so it makes sense that you know my family they all had bad reactions for me so I assumed they would have really bad reactions for my child and they've been decent like they've been really trying at times and and are sometimes struggling with being corrected but for the most part they're trying Right. That's great. Which brings up this weird intergenerational thing, too. I think so, Because they didn't try so hard for me, but they do for my kid. And so there was there's some moments where I'm like, hot dog, I wish I could have had these parents. <laughs> and then you move on, right? But, yeah. There's that still, like, kind of, oh, like, where was this when I came out kind of thing, though. True, but then when they misgender my child and I see my child flinching and being very upset and sad... You know, it's hard not to want to go mama bear on the situation, too, and and get in there and be like, oh, no, no, you need to respect this. And, you know, we have a lot of negotiating conversations in my in my home before we go into like I don't always call them straight spaces, but just spaces where we might not be able to be as out, Um, you know, and I and I ask my child how often they'd like me to correct people or where they're at that day for what pronouns they would like or, you know what I mean? We'll have our own little like gay corner where we'll like we'll chat about like we're at a women's event but not all the people here are women and then we jet we joke about that that's you know what i mean yeah i mean creating that safe space for your child like is very very important but also yeah you've been through all of this so yeah and i started at 26 and found it really really hard yeah right so i mean i mean being 12 13 hard enough Ugh. Without all of this added stuff. Without a so, doubt. Gotta love those kudos. hormones and puberty and all that tricky stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you obviously have permission from your child to discuss. Yes. I yeah. ask them, yeah. Um, I, I always so make sure. you have a child sure. who's out as non-binary. Yep. And did you find any differences in the way they came out in contrast to the way you may have initially? Yeah. And as a parent... How can other parents be more understanding of their children navigating through sexual orientations and gender identities? Sure. Um, Well, yeah, there's some stark differences, for sure, between my coming out and my child's coming out. GSAs didn't exist when I went to high school. I graduated in 99. Like, it's not like that long ago that 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 sort of thing wouldn't exist, but it, it just wasn't talked about. I knew one gay man in school that was it for most of my education and he was a friend of mine but it was never like it wasn't commonly done even then in the late 90s and it was just never discussed and it wasn't until I got to college and I had a child and I was starting to really think about who I am and having the opportunities to figure out who I am that that became real for me Um, but my parenting style has always been acceptance first right that no matter who my child would be that my job as a parent would be to learn who that is and to help them you know figure out who they are and so I feel like my child had an environment where they could explore those things right I also dated women and I've also dated trans folks and I've dated men and so I mean at times we've just had lots of queer folks around and you know my child was three years old asking people like you know, seeing people through the car window and asking, you know, do you think that person was born a man or born a woman? When (laughs) our social scripts would tell us clearly that it's a man, right? And everyone in the car, like, splurting their coffee out of their mouths (laughs) because, you know, this three-year-old has, you know, four, three-year-old has more education around gender scripts than most of the adults in the car, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, that's just been the environment that we've grown up in. Um, I actually sat my child down and said at one point, like, you know, you don't have to be part of the rainbow community. Like, if this is something that, you know, you don't feel like you have to do this because I wanted to just be really clear for myself. It was a very selfish moment, to be honest, because it was more about me making sure they knew that there were no expectations Mm -hmm. from me, that they can be whoever they are. 
And so now whenever they have a crush on a boy, I, I, I splurt coffee out of my <laughs> mouth because I'm always so surprised because I'm just like, really? And then we laugh about how ridiculous that is, that my expectations often lean in a way and my child's totally yeah. not defined by those things, right? By choice, which is really exciting, I think, that, that they figured that part out. I think progressively out. now, like especially my generation of university students, like... I want to, like, I aspire to be one of those parents who is acceptance first. Like, yeah. I don't care how you identify. Like, as long as you're fundamentally a good person, yeah. no matter where you go, I'm always here for you, regardless of. Yeah. I mean, this is very political, so, you know, I can know why I'm disclaiming that. We can't help it And right LGBT now. Like, plus stuff very, is very political, too. Yeah. But I used to say to my friends and family, like, we strive to have a really open, transparent household. Right. And we try not to do like we try to be a sex positive household as well, which is really challenging with a 14 year old in the house. They don't want to talk to us about bodily functions and those sorts of Eventually things they and will. safety. Eventually. But I think it's super important that they know that those conversations are totally OK and safe and that there is no taboo question in our household. Well, I'm hoping to just normalize it, that there's nothing wrong with making mistakes and not knowing and I mean they're trying to figure out how to date at a 14 year old kind of level which you know and and so much of the stuff I hear about coming home is is really terrifying in a lot of ways right and we have to be safe around the internet and Instagram and all these things yeah like it's so complicated now so I mean we're trying to give them privacy to figure things out on their own but we're also trying to be um, available enough that, you know what I mean, that we're approachable, that if we mm-hmm. freak out every time they have a question about anything, they're never going to talk to us. You know what I mean? I agree. So yeah. at least on the LGBT plus front and in the coming out front, like we're super, super wide open. Right. And it's, it's been really, it's been really fun in a way. I'm secretly like maybe not in the best way, kind of giggling at watching my child fumble through coming out with people because sometimes it's so blatant and no care is given and they don't they don't care what anyone thinks and then other times they're really self-conscious and I'm kind of giggling in the background being like man yeah that's a lot of work do you know what I mean but they have a safe base mm-hmm. and and the one thing that coming home to a safe place exactly. I think is the most important like regardless Absolutely. of what self-consciousness you have or Anything that could hinder you from saying it aloud, if you can come home and say it aloud, that's the most important thing. Totally fair. Yeah. And what we know, too, like from a statistical perspective, is that folks who um, are trying to come out and can't or who are who are ready to be out and come up against like the medical system that's transphobic or homophobic, um, that that's when they're the most suicidal. Right. Yeah. That's when people are the most vulnerable is when they're trying to come out and they're practicing with new people and they're in those first few run throughs. Right. It's really scary. So it's important to be supportive. Do you have a mirror moment? Like before you say it aloud to anybody else, do you have to affirm that with yourself? In what way? Look in the mirror and kind of just really like self-analyze, be like, you know what? This is who I am. Yeah. I do it in my work so much. Um, And I think... I mean, I i don't know how many times a week I come out. All the time. Like, all the time. And I... it doesn't end. I no, mean, it never ends. People, you yeah. meet new people constantly, so you yeah. have to... Well, and part of my to work is to be out. Yeah. Totally, yeah. I used to... <laughs> I mean, even when I met my uncles, so my they're my step-uncles, mm-hmm. um, but they've been married for years, I needed them to know that I was part of the community, right? Like, I would go out of my way to make sure they knew that that I'm one of them. I wanted to feel like we're a club. And now I just, I don't care. Who knows? Um, but I always hesitate. Still, even to this day, just before I come out, I you think know, funny. this could you get awkward. didn't hesitate with me. No, I did. I did just, you? Oh, yeah, I'm really good at cut. Like, I'm just, but it's all internal now. I always have that moment of like, oh, okay, I'm ripping the Band-Aid. It could go badly. It hasn't gone badly in years for me. Because of the spaces That's that I'm in. News, but there's though. still self-doubt. There's always self-doubt, right? I don't think that ever truly goes away because the risk is this person could treat me differently based on how they perceive me and who they think I am, right? So, but it's it's more comfortable now. I can live more comfortably in that vulnerability, but it doesn't mean it goes away, right? 
And I stand up in front of huge groups of people and be like, so as a pansexual, blah, blah, blah. And more often than not, I get this look of like, what's that? Uh, rather than, oh, how Do dare you? Do you feel like you have to define it before you... Oh, like... constantly. Yeah. But I don't feel right. I don't feel bisexual. No, absolutely. Right? If you feel so I don't that you're pan go there. and you're yeah. in a more inclusive yeah. space in your life, you need to be able to vocalize that. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because I identified as bi for a long, long time. Um, but I always thought it was kind of funny that it was my trans partner at the time who was like, uh, you're pan. And my response to anything when someone tells me who I am is, well, what do you know? Right? Like, <laughs> how dare you tell me who I am? And and I kind of giggled and went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I realized like, oh, no, really, I am. I am pan. Right? So And it's always fit. And I, you know. You know people say you learn from relationships. You really learn. I really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This person actually taught me something really valuable about myself. For sure. For sure. But I'm grateful that my child has a different experience. Like, I'm grateful that a lot of young people... like, young people have better and better experiences with this. Like, obviously there's no guarantees, but I just want to see it move forward. Yeah, well, I mean, there's more human rights, um, you know, on a, you know, Ontario and Canada level, right, that allow us to have protected rights around gender expression right yeah Yeah, (laughs) right so it means that like we actually have backing but there's more people that are talking about it so i mean everybody knows somebody who's part of the community whether they want to admit it or not right and i mean back in the 50s 60s and 70s that was not a thing Right. So we actually have quite a few people in the community here who have started like a rainbow community center, who are activists, who go and talk to groups of people. Um, We so I call them my queer elders in a way. Right. Because I just love how they have such knowledge of this area and they share that knowledge with the rest of us. But I mean, I was very fortunate when I came out. I was older for one. I was living on my own. so I didn't have to worry about going home to a negative um, environment. But a lot of these queer folks, they had to lie and lie and lie about who they are just to save their own life and keep their own safety. So I've noticed a lot in my clients who are dealing with a lot of, especially around gender identity, there's some genuine difficulty around young folks have it so easy and don't know. Meanwhile, they don't. They have their own difficulties. But their lives are not at risk as immediately as it used to be, which doesn't mean it isn't happening now, too, because it does happen. Mm-hmm. But it's just very different. And once somebody knows that you're something in a, in a high school, and it can be a lot of grief. I would probably call it grief before I'd call it resentment, because they see what could have been for them if they had been born, you know, 40, 50, 60 years later. And there's a lot of difficulty that they're still experiencing. We have so much difficulty in the healthcare system for both sex education around same-sex sex sex, or around trans healthcare. And I think there's also a safety issue in that as well of not covering that in the schools because if you want to come out and you want to explore that side of you and your sexuality, you don't know how to do that safely. Yeah. You don't have the education to do it. You're either finding it on the internet or you're asking your friends about it. Yeah, and STIs don't care what gender you are. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. So it can come down to how to have that safety and depending on families. I mean, families are the number one factor to the well-being of LGBT plus youth. There are risks of PTSD, suicide, homelessness, addictions, smoking cigarettes, smoking pot, you name it, are so far increased up until they have that one factor of a supportive family and then it decreases exponentially, right? And this is research that I've spoken about and talked about in public many, many times. And it's, it's brilliant that just having a safe place to land, people who are willing to attach and love them for no matter what, can, can create so much of a buffer from the world's negativity, homophobia, transphobia. Digressing back to yeah. being in the public eye and having sure. to speak about this so often, yeah. um, be it celebrities or any public figure, or even you that public speaks constantly, um, do you think that these people have a social responsibility to use their platform to make that part of their public identity? Or do you believe that that's something that can be a part of a person, but they don't necessarily have to come right out and say it, no pun intended? (laughs) I think each person really needs to make their own choice, right? 
I think if our culture was more open and accepting, if it wasn't such a risk to be out, it wouldn't even really matter. But it does still. And so it's a personal choice, public figure or not. I think that people need to be able to put their head down at night and be well. Mm -hmm. And if it's costing someone too much to be out, or if it's costing someone too much to not be out, that's valuable and really important. And I think that, I think everybody needs to find their own way and their own reality of what fits for them. People can't pretend to be someone else for a long time and not have it cost something because it becomes a secret. It becomes internally shameful and it can create depression. It can create all sorts of problems that coming out can solve. Mm -hmm. But who they come out to, I think, has got to be their choice. Yeah. And I think it's all got to be their choice. Some people are never okay with coming out and they suffer for years. But I mean, personally, I think finding what fits for that individual is key. Absolutely. I'm so grateful that people come out. I was just telling to one of my clients earlier today, actually, about Ellen. Oh, right. Wow. Like that she lost her job. Did she not when she came out? Mm-hmm. Like I think the, the station uh, let her go and she went through all this trouble. I wonder if back then she ever thought that she'd be doing what she's doing now. The thing is, like, she doesn't really address that part of her life as much. Like, she's an icon. Yeah. But she's... And she's a very public relationship. She's very matter-of-fact of, like, this is my partner. Yeah. I'm living my life, and I'm succeeding. Yes, I faced backlash, but this isn't all I am. Yeah. And yet, it was her choice to come out, right? And I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting what she's been able to inspire in others. Um, Other folks like Laverne Cox, she's an actress who's transgender. Trans women of color are statistically the highest to experience, like, extreme violence and death. So, I mean, for her to be able to be out there doing this, huge. But I imagine that if it wasn't something that she wanted, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, obviously, but I mean, that would be a lot to carry if if that was too much. I'm sure she would agree. Yeah, right? And I think it's got to be a personal choice. And that's why when someone outs us, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's why it's so painful. Because then you leave... It's painful for me to even hear... Yeah, totally. ...that as a concept. Like, having somebody rip that opportunity away from you and expose you in such a vulnerable state Well, and life. it takes the narrative away from you. That, that space of I can come out when I'm ready in my own way, you know what I mean? It takes all that control and all that consent away. It's a horrible thing to have happen. It, it's, it, it's actually traumatizing for some folks. They end up with trauma symptoms, PTSD, you name it from being regularly disrespected and having their having their narrative so misused. I see it all the time in my work. We've talked about, I think, your personal experience, and I want to know from a social work perspective, how can I, as an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, be better? Is there a way to be more informed? I just want to know how to make people feel safer and more included. Yeah, not freak out. That's a good start. Check. Check. Yeah. I mean, having rainbow triangles on doors and stuff is a big part of, of um, or you know what I mean, in, in public spaces, having rainbow flags, things like that have always been a symbol, what people can do and to create, show safe spaces. But I mean, that, that's, I don't want to say it's old and, and unused. It, it's still done all the time. But I think it's is there how practices? you talk. Yeah, It's how you talk when you don't know queer folks are around that makes a difference, right? I mean, again, my family looks like a nuclear family. So when we go into spaces and people say homophobic things, every single one of us, like our head practically rotates on our shoulders. We all whip our head around. And, and we're all pretty outspoken at this point, probably because we're a group of three. <laughs> you know what I mean? Although I've done it on my own too, where I stay, no, 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 not acceptable. There's no need to be homophobic here. You know, I heard a lot online gaming. I hear a lot of homophobic slurs. Ooh, yeah. And I'll just call people out like, hey, you don't need to be homophobic. You can just be mad. I think my generation of like middle school students was the last yeah. of the pack that like yeah. used that. Totally. Now, kids will not be allowed to say it or there is extreme consequences, yeah. which is great progress. Sure. And I understand why some people may feel like that's too much, that it's like policing in some way. But at the same time, it's really important because you you have have no idea, no idea who's part of the LGBT plus community. I went to middle school with this one person who ended up coming out as trans in high school. And 
the amount of slurs that were used around mm-hmm. them for so long mm-hmm. that made it so hard for them to come out when they were in that space that when they got to high school almost immediately after they did it. Yeah. So I kind of think back and wonder of if we had the same repercussions as kids do now, could that person have come out sooner? Yeah, maybe. And I find it interesting, too, because a lot of what my clients say is that, like, oh, well, my parents, you know, they'll they'll say this about this celebrity or they'll get really annoyed about this policy or they get really annoyed because this inclusive thing is in place and they make these comments. Why so they're terrified to come out. and inconvenience? I don't know. I have no idea. I wish I knew because then I would, you know, have a better idea of how to help counter it, I guess. Yeah. I don't think inclusivity, I think, I guess, possibly it could create discomfort for sure. Right, because sometimes we have to own the fact that we say things wrong. That's not easy to be uncomfortable and vulnerable in that way. If you live a very comfortable life, chances are you're going to be bored. Straight out of your comfort zone. (laughs) If that's what's really making you uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and I think it's because it's what we know. Like, I mean, I grew up being told there was boys and girls. I mean, a lot of people have been grown up told there are boys and there are girls. And that's it. That's all. You know, we're just starting to see... This huge generation of young people who are like, "Eh, yeah, there's a lot more than boys or girls. And yet some of them are really uncomfortable with their, you know, gender non-conforming fellow students. Right. My child experiences a lot of transphobia and it's 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 not gone just because it's younger people. This is the first time in our history where young people have had so much access to information so much understanding. If I knew what some of the words, like the weight they carried, sure, I don't think I would have used them. Like yeah. as a kid, even I think I would have had the awareness not to. Oh, totally. But now, like kids are so well equipped with all these resources to learn yeah. that I wish I had. But it goes both ways. Some young people will use that information to bully other folks, and it and there's lots of documented cases. I mean, even now there's. You know, I, I can't remember which province is currently doing this, but they, they want it to be known who's in the GSAs so that parents can be told if their children are in GSAs, which is a gay-straight alliance. So it's the public, I the don't... school groups for LGBT plus youth, right? But there are kids that are part of that that aren't out yet. So that doesn't yeah. kind of... Yeah, it's um, completely unsafe. That's super harmful. Yeah, there's been kids who have joined as allies, found out who everybody is, and then gone around and told the whole school who goes to the GSA groups. Like, people will use it both ways. So it's about really changing. How do you space like that maliciously? Yeah, some people, but that's the point. This is the first I'm hearing of this. Oh, really? I'm, like, going through You're getting upset? Yeah. That's totally fair. It's totally fair. But at the same time, like, statistically, GSAs actually make a huge difference. You'll never guess who they make the biggest difference for, though. Cisgendered straight boys. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because less boys are then assumed to be gay and then beaten up for it. They did a huge study wow. on it. Yeah. So, I mean, GSAs actually help everybody, right? But if we are always going to raise children that there's boys and that there's girls, that is that is the environment in which we all live in. And it doesn't have to be that way. And as long as it is that way, coming out around gender is going to be hard. I feel like we're getting better at the orientation stuff. That parental acceptance. But we still need to move forward. It kind of hangs in the balance. Mm -hmm. If they're outed in a safe space in school, nonetheless, like that's... Yeah. And so when my child is having a day where they're experiencing themselves as more feminine or they feel like wearing a dress, which they, they did today... Right. And somebody's like starting to drop hers or she's and and aren't you pretty and things like that. It still makes them feel dysphoric. They still come home and feel upset and we still end up talking about it. And you know what I mean? Like and other times, you know, doesn't bother them. Sometimes they dress totally like a boy and people assume that they're a boy. It doesn't change the fact that my child is non-binary. They experience their gender very fluidly. And there's no reason to not love that. So cool. Well, and it's and it's difficult though because we're so accustomed even to the scripts of transgender means you're going from one gender to another gender, 
we have a very binary view of that too, which is still very, you know, cis normative of us, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, we don't need to be that way. Gender is very fluid. Orientation is very fluid. Super fluid. Super that could change fluid. over time in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's normal for people to come out as one thing and move on to another. You are a perfect example. Yeah, I used to hear buy now, gay later all the time back then, right? That I'm bi now and I'll be gay later. That has been the case yeah. for a few of my friends, actually. Yeah. And sometimes it's like a, a transitionary thing of like, this feels right, but this now also feels right. It, like, yeah. a lot of people were out in middle school. Yeah. But probably never before generations could do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because you would be beaten. You would be they beaten didn't up. They easy. Yeah. Not Thrown at all. out of homes, thrown into foster homes, you name it. Yeah. Happened all the time. So, I mean, when I came out at 26, I didn't experience a lot of that. I had a few friends that were pissed at me, though. Because they were like, how come you get it so easy? Because <laughs> when they came out, they got it real bad. Because they came out younger. Yeah, and, and they was... came out at a different generation yeah, than yeah. me. Even a decade difference made a huge difference at that time. Because so much was changing. Even a decade difference now, I think, could make oh, all the Oh, without difference. a doubt. Without a doubt. Give us another decade. Maybe we'll do, uh, we'll do some better. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Parental acceptance can be classified as a continued support of child, irrespective of their sexual orientation or gender identities. And although sociopolitically, views on homosexuality and queer culture have become more liberal, research is inconclusive on whether this translates to more acceptance. Even if parents become more accepting of their queer children in current times, there exists a higher degree of variation in their reactions which even today is more weighted towards the negative. Why do you think that is? And do you believe that there is a generation gap in place there? Hmm. That is a good question. Loaded question. Super loaded question. I absolutely think there's a generation gap. Simply because of exposure, right? I see it between me and my dad all the time. Oh, absolutely. How could there not be? Well, and, and this whole toxic masculinity idea, right? Like, a lot of men have been told they're not allowed to feel things. Right? For years and years and years and years. So, I mean... it just creates an environment where we're not allowed to be fluid and open and talk about difficult things that it's suddenly threatening or scary to talk about important things. Right. When I first came out, a lot of people would say to me like, well, what if your kid's gay? How would you feel? And I'd be like, uh, fine. (laughs) Like, Like, what would it matter to me? Right. And yet for them, that's a really big fear. What if your kid ends up gay or lesbian? Somebody said this. Who, yeah. What celebrity said this? Oh my gosh. I can't even think of it right now. But yeah. somebody was like, yeah, like I would never like accept it. Like if my child was. Yeah. And I was like. Parents grieving is totally fair. Right. Like parents grieve. But you haven't even had this kid yet. And you're yeah. already like putting them in this box. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I always said my kids were going to, like, smoke cigarettes and listen to lab music and all this and the other thing. I changed my mind when I learned some things. But, I mean, it it's nice in theory. But in reality, when you're attached to this tiny human that you're expected to keep alive and to help be a productive member of society at some point, it's a different story. And if you're really, really that afraid of them being outside of society's box of quote-unquote normal... That ain't about your kid. That's about you, right? I think acceptance, I mean, again, going into social work terms, attachment needs are far more valuable. Children need to feel seen, heard, and loved. And so did our previous generations and every generation going all the way back. This is a human need. Without early attachments, we struggle. We're more prone to mental health. We're more prone to anxiety. We're more prone to go into negative relationships to try and get our attachment needs met. So, I mean, doing our own work, even no matter how old we are, allows us space to create healthier, younger generations, right? It gives us room to just be flexible. One of the things I'm struggling with lately is when I hear like, oh, I'm too old to learn things. Oh, well, I was just raised that way. Oh, it's a generational thing. We're all supposed to be racist. And I'm like, well, I mean, you can use a phone. Whoa. So how whoa. come you can't stop being racist, right? Like, you can learn new things. You can learn how to not be homophobic. You can learn how to not be transphobic. You can learn how to not be racist. 
You know what I mean? the thing is, too, being a woman of color, like, I've obviously had negative experiences, like, with people seeing the color of my skin and just making assumptions of, oh, like, didn't expect you to sound the way you do, or... Oi. Hate it. Yeah. Hate that. So, for me, like, when I see members of the queer community, like, struggle and have that happen to them, I immediately become defensive of how do you treat another person this way? Like, they're seen, they're heard, their rights are rights. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we all have those things, those moments of being discriminated against. When it becomes a regular pattern based on a generalizable situation, whether it's the color of our skin, who we happen to love, like, you know, if our bodies don't match the way we were assigned at birth and somebody's expectations of who we should be, it, it's, it creates similar mental health issues, right? So it's important that we don't stay completely silent about these things. But then I think about that and I think about how homophobic the South Asian culture is. And yeah, I get that, you know, if your South Asian child decides to come out, it's going to be twice as hard for them because yeah. they have already a stigma that they were born with. Yeah. And then there becomes this air quotation marks choice that they've made. Yeah. So I understand that struggle in coming out for South sure. Asian children, but and any like any visible minority child to come out, it's so much more difficult. And I I genuinely commend the parents mm-hmm. of that generation who are accepting of it. Absolutely. And I think that but oftentimes I, can I find say, that they're not. I see that in my practice like a lot. I see that with a lot of my clients that when it's a young person who's um, kind of in that inter uh, space of, of cultural squish, right? Mm-hmm. That their families have immigrated here and they're kind of part of their uh, family of origins culture and Canadian culture, that they experience a very unique level of discrimination from their families or from their extended families. Right. That it can become a really big difficulty because mainstream culture suddenly becomes the bad guy in some ways. It's it's a theme I've seen. I wouldn't say that it's everybody. Everybody, every family is different no matter what. We all have our own ways of doing extended things. Extended family is very, very Extended hard family to can be very hard. Well, because there's your generation gap. Right. If your family, if your parents are in their 50s, your grandparents are in their 70s, you know what I mean? Like you're looking at different times that people have grown up, where they've grown up has a huge aspect of things. People around the world are still being murdered and killed. didn't know what gay was until she got to university. Yeah. Yeah. She had to look it up in the dictionary because somebody said, like one of her guy friends said, oh, I want to go check out guys. Mm. And my mom was confused of why... Why would you want to do that? Why do you want to go check out guys? I mean, great wingman, but why? (laughs) And then she had to look it up and figure it out for herself. So there's stories like that that exist in my family, but there's also stories of, like, you know, like, I I would never accept it if this were my kid. And it's, it's very hard to navigate. Yeah. And yet now you can go on Netflix and you can watch Queer Eye and you can watch RuPaul and like... Tan France, iconic. (laughs) Right? I mean, my kid and I watch RuPaul together. I'm not allowed to watch it when they're not around and vice versa. I'd be pissed, right? Like, it's so wonderful that we get to share this thing together and we talk about the makeup. Orange is New Black, I think, was the first, like, show that I've seen around, like, queer culture. And I was like whoa like yeah. this is doing so well and like people are responding so well to yeah. this and I'm like huh the like, L word was one for me it's a little older I think that was more uh you know early 2000s when that came out maybe mid 2000s when that came out mm-hmm. yeah I, lo- I loved that show because it was the first time I was like oh my gosh like this is is this how women interact with each other but it's still very dramatic like it's tv right so it's hard to know how much of that stuff is truly real But if that's the only representation that we have, it's certainly, I mean, I did all sorts of courses in school about queer theory and film even. How we used to depict queer folks was awful. Like if it was a lesbian woman, they were almost always the bad guy. I think Jonathan Van Ness is like one of the prominent celebrity figures that I can think of. Yeah. Like super fluid and super out. Yeah. But at the same time, like discusses the fact that this is not for everyone. Yeah. 
So there's a lot more dialogue now. We see a lot more representation. There's a lot more honest representation. I'm not going to flinch if I see a man in a tutu now. I think it's great. Oh, I love gender bending. I think it's great. I just think people should be free to do what they want. And and I really don't see why we have to worry about it. It's not really our problem. How is somebody wearing a tutu causing distress? Right? Like, what are you worried about? That they're going to redecorate your house? Right? Like, Bobby Burke, you can redecorate my house whenever you want. (laughs) Right? But, I mean, I've gone to comedy nights where the first comic is so homophobic and the second one is hysterical. Both made queer jokes. Right? There's a whole queer community. How do you sit through that? Well, and half of our table was part of the queer community. And this this was, it was terrifying. I think one of us looked at each other and thought, like, is this even a safe environment for us? Like, we, you know, I've, I've stood up and left places when I don't feel safe. But it's taken me a long time to, to work up to that level of courage. The other piece I think that's really important is not up to LGBT plus folks to teach you. If oh, you have a question, not. there's Google. You know, if you really have an intense question, go to WPATH. Rainbow Health Ontario has great information about all sorts of healthcare needs for trans folks and for LGBT plus folks. We, we don't need to answer the questions. I don't mind being asked questions. I'm actually quite transparent and open about these things. But, I mean, I've dated trans folks where people would come ask me about their anatomy. And it's like, that's not your business. Like, who else would we ever ask those questions to? Why are you asking? Right? And it's nobody's business. Right? Who we care for. How those relationships work. Who opens the door for who doesn't matter. These questions don't come up. In hetero relationships. No, they really don't. They really don't. So why make that distinction? Yeah, I don't miss those questions. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, and, and maybe this is a little taboo for some of the queer politics, but, like, I'm kind of grateful that my family passes at times. I get exhausted with having to explain things. I have to explain enough things, right? So sometimes I take advantage of that privilege that comes with it by just enjoying least, you know and being what, grateful though, that so I don't always have to explain that myself. You acknowledge that as a privilege. Yeah, like, it is a privilege, because I don't, I don't have to explain why my partner appears as a woman or doesn't quite pass as a man or, you know, whatever denomination that would be. My girlfriend, when my mother got remarried, I wasn't allowed to bring my girlfriend to the wedding. You know what I mean? Like, these things happen because people were afraid of what people would think. Nowadays, I would have brought them anyway because I'm a different person now. These I things are important. That. These things are really important. It sends a message, right? So, I mean, part of what we can do anyone can do everyone can do is don't just be politically correct when people are around don't just be tolerant be accepting if you're uncomfortable with something ask right if you're not sure what pronouns to use for someone ask if you make a mistake don't make a big deal out of it if you use the wrong pronoun chances are they are going to correct you maybe put that into your head and use it next time yeah my own child doesn't correct me A lot of the trans women that I've seen talk on panels that I know in the community have said the same thing. If you make a mistake, say sorry, be awkward a little bit, and then stop talking about it. Just Mm -hmm. keep going, right? Because, I mean, we're going to keep living our lives as we are, right? It's not something to apologize profusely for, but at least being acknowledged and having some space to be who we are. It's all we need. Well, I mean, that and equal rights, but, you know, that's probably a bigger order to fill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, in Canada, we do okay. We're doing better than other places in the world. We've got room to grow. I but agree. On a side note, a friend of mine and I, uh, we dated for a while, but they're trans male. Um, we would go to weddings together. Even if we had other partners, we would always go to weddings together because that would be like the day we get to go dance and eat food and have fun. And everybody thought we were a straight couple. Huh. <laughs> I know, it was so funny. It always made me laugh because like we weren't together for one. And he passes, which is a whole other thing. And people assumed that we were a man and a woman and a couple together. It's really interesting to think about all the, you know, times where you would categorize yourself as, like, heteronormative. Yeah. And then you kind of look back and you're like, huh, like, why do people automatically have this assumption? Yeah. So sitting at that table, I mean, we ended up, it was was a same-sex wedding anyway. So there's lots of LGBT plus folks there. But I mean, you know, if anyone at that table had said anything rude, they wouldn't have known unless they asked. And at one point we were just like, what? No, no, we're not together. Like I have a girlfriend and and this person has a girlfriend and, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, and they outed themselves as trans and you know what I mean? Like it, it, and everybody at the table was gobsmacked. Is that how you say that? God, not God. 
God doesn't smack people, I guess. God <laughs> smacked, right? Because they had no idea. And I think that's the important piece of all things LGBT+. You don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. You never really know. And even if that person is straight or cisgendered, they may not always be. Mm-hmm. Because they may be at a different part of their journey. Right? So we can send messages of acceptance and love always. It doesn't have to be just when we know people are around. Right? And I, I probably see that a lot because my family passes. Mm-hmm. But we're not shy about it. Which we just correct people. So if you could go back in time, your child's age, and yeah. talk to yourself about your sexuality and all of what comes with being queer, how would that conversation go? I, n- I never really liked gender norms, even back then. I just wanted to hang out with my brother and like play guns, because that's what we did in the 80s. And, I got the word you know tomboy I mean? a lot. Yeah, but I didn't look like one. I had long blonde hair and blue eyes. Like I looked like a, you know, a blue ribbon child. And, you know, I was well behaved when other people were around. And, you know, maybe not so much with my parents. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't regret coming out when I came out. It was the right time for me, I suppose. Right? I probably would have liked to have known that I could have. But I don't feel like I lost time. I never did. That was That's one great. story I hear a lot from my clients that I that I'm always a little surprised by. Because I've heard 60, 70 year olds say, oh, "I wish I had more. I wish I had known. I should have come out earlier." And everyone up to thirteen year olds say that. And I'm like, "How much earlier could you possibly come out? Right? Like we're ready when we're ready." And I don't think I would have. I don't think high school would have been any less awful <laughs> if I had been out or not. Right. High school was a hard time for me. I had a lot of depression during high school, so it was a pretty uniquely horrible experience as it was. I don't think being out would have made a difference. Um, but I think that... I think it would have. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But I had lots of tight no, girlfriends at the time. No, I think it would have in the sense that, like, to add on to what you were going through mentally. Like... Yeah, maybe. But who knows? It wasn't a part of it already, right? Because it's so integrated into our identity. It is so part of who we are. And we are born this way. One of the things I know... Shout out to Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, Gaga, right? Do love that song. Ugh, she's like an inspiration. I love her movie. It's so funny though, because when we used to have like a dance club that was LGBT plus focused in this city, um, every time that song came on, everybody like dancing like it was their last dance of their life. Like they would go bonkers. It was beautiful. And I was kind of like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. Because I wasn't really much of a fan at the time, but mm. I like vulnerability and vulnerability is certainly something that she's done brilliantly, I think. So vulnerability and having that level of acceptance and care sure. for people and yeah. just the empathy that goes with making such a huge statement. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And and I think that those bold statements on small stages are just as valuable, right? Seeing somebody you know, I think that has more impact totally or the same level of impact of somebody like yeah. Standing up to somebody in a restaurant that yeah. made a homophobic comment. I think totally. it's the same level of, yep. you know what, this is what it is. Absolutely. Now, get with the times. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My partner and I went for, um, like, Harvey's the other day, and somebody drove up in this fancy, swanky car, and we're looking at the car, and it happened to be these two men getting out, mm-hmm. and it, it appeared that they were a couple, and we're giving their car all these looks. And then I had this moment of like, oh, my gosh, I hope they didn't think we were looking at them that way. <laughs> we were looking at their car, right? But they could interpret it any way they, they want to or, or do, mm-hmm. right? So it's up to us to be cognizant and aware of how our behavior impacts other people. And that's on all fronts, right? We are going to make mistakes. What a great metaphor, by the way. What do you mean? The car? Yeah. <laughs> We just happen to be looking at the beamer, not at you, friends. <laughs> right? But it, it often can be very complicated, right? We never know how people interpret yeah. what we do, right? So it's important to know that we can make mistakes and that it's okay to apologize if people say that. But we don't have to walk on eggshells either, mm-hmm. right? It all comes It all comes down to acceptance and love, I think. What a great message. Yeah, I think have. it's important. Yeah. And I kind of want to end this off. Sure. Um, So what do you want our listeners to take away from this as allies of LGBTQ plus communities or as members of the communities that are progressing through their own journey and want to make this step but are hesitant? Yeah. Hmm. 
another loaded question. Yeah, no, well, just because, I mean, if I want to answer that as a social worker, I always answer that as me. Both. Let's right? Both. I think as a social worker, my answer is always, you are good enough, period. There is no gay enough. There is no queer enough. There is no trans enough. You are enough, period. No matter where you're at, no matter who you are, that you will always be enough. Find the people that believe that too, because you're going to doubt it at times. So have people that will remind you that you're beautiful and wonderful and great, just as you are, right? I say that as a therapist. I think I say that as me as well. But I think for me, the thing that I would like people to know is that there are so many stories out there and they are all very unique. They are all very special. Everyone's got one. Absolutely, in their own way. And you know what I mean? If you are sending out messages of love, you get love back, right? And I think that it doesn't hurt to learn more. If you're uncomfortable, it's okay to be uncomfortable, but it's okay to change. Everyone can change. There is no such thing as a limited capacity in the brain. It is unlimited. We can always grow.